Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. What are the haps? Start the day the right way with the morning shift. With Tiffany, Mike, and Bo. All right. All right. On Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Now we're brought to you by Zero Res Smart, lasting clean. Welcome back to the morning shift. Triple in for Tiffany. We got Squid. We got Mike. Two o'clock today. Raheem Morris, introductory press conference. We will be broadcasting that live. And Terry Fontenot, the GM, the alleged GM. I guess now it is confirmed he is still the GM. (laughs) And Raheem Morris is going to sit down with uh, Dukes and Bell. Be broadcasting live from there. So uh, tune into that this afternoon, two to seven. Of course, we had the uh, Senior Bowl yesterday, and. uh, Lad McConkey, big standout. A lot of people think that uh, he kind of played his way into uh, maybe day one consideration. I want you to, Mike, I want you to go back into it. You talked about what a nightmare of a week that is. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to kind of go uh, tit for tat uh, and mic'd up in a little bit, talking about the senior bowl, talking about the week that was. And, and I, I didn't get a chance to do this last week. But when you add in um, – Everything that that week entails, and it's probably a little bit different for me. We were come, we were, you know, two three weeks removed from a national title, and so I was in the state of Alabama. I'm from Pensacola, which is 50 miles away from Mobile. It was a, probably a little bit different, but the amount of like let's just put it this way: six a.m. drug tests, meetings with agents or prospective agents, or if you've already hired one, meetings with your agent slash scouts that you're meeting with, and then sometimes coaches that want to, you know, have a cup of coffee at the same time competing with guys that are fighting tooth and nail for their future and for money. It is the most stressful six, seven days, whatever it may be, that I ever spent playing football, and it's not even close. The combine was rough. The senior bowl week was rough. It was, it was, it was serious now. That was some serious stuff. So rough, rough week for sure. And your body actually gets really beat up in that senior bowl. It doesn't get as beat up at the combine. We that was that was the coldest football game I ever played in. I want to say it was it was like twenty degrees um, for the Oof. senior bowl we played. It was rainy. It was absolute misery. We got destroyed by the. It was the still the north and the south teams at that point. Destroyed, and it just it seemed like nobody was there watching because you know all the executives seemingly had left Thursday. So you're playing the Seen game. enough. Yeah, I'm out of here. Uh, it was cool, though. It was my first taste of getting around NFL personnel. You know, you're, you're walking around, and you see Pete Carroll. He had just, you know, gotten to the Seahawks and doing some other things. And, you know, you're out on the 
you're out in the curve for the valet and Sean Payton walks out and it just, it was, it was, it's a really cool thing. And it's, it's cool that it's in Mobile. I'm glad it stays in Mobile, but whew, we'll talk about it. I'll give you all the rundown and mic'd up what the, what the weekly schedule's like. And I'm just telling you, it's, um, it's not for the faint of heart. That's for sure. And I'm telling you, I, I cannot really grasp how good these uh, quarterback prospects are. Michael Penix decided not to play yesterday. He did practice during yeah, the week. That was Injury weird. concerns with him. Yeah. I didn't, I don't know. Do you think he, that's that's why why do you think he didn't play Saturday? Like, what was his thought process on that? Because I I, I don't could that the, have hurt him. Well, for the record, I don't blame him based on his history and the fact that let's be let's be honest, the game doesn't matter. Your performance matters in the game, but his week was just was more the week he had, whether good or bad, was more important for his draft stock than playing in that game to me. I, I feel so much differently. Somebody kind of likened this to bowl opt-outs. I feel so much differently about this than I do bowl opt-outs. It's not even funny. Like, to me, it's not even close to being the same thing. These are not your guys that you've grinded four years with. Mm-hmm. Or these are not the guys that are uh, – everybody's – this is this is everybody out for themselves at Senior Bowl. And so I, there are probably going to be one or two scouts. Scouts, I'm not talking about GMs or teams. I'm just talking about scouts that are like, I would really like to see the guy compete. But Michael Penix has been – in college football for what six years? You've seen you've seen what you need to see, right? As far as him competing at the highest level, so no need to see him go out there and suit up on Saturday. But there's going to be one or two that are like, well, man, I would have really liked to see him throw in live game action. That would have been nice. Can uh, evaluation during a Senior Bowl can that be overvalued a little bit compared to like the entire body work? I know it's good for the uh, NFL, you know, scouts, coaches, executives to you know get eye to eye and have an audience with the players, get to see them close up during drills, et cetera, et cetera. Is it overly emphasized, though? I don't. I actually don't think so. This is the first chance. My, we we had the Dolphins coaching staff. Uh, Tony Sperano, God rest his soul, was our head coach. Uh, coach uh, Dave DeGuglielmo was our offensive line coach, um, and it was it, it was interesting for a number of reasons. They got to actually lay their eyes and hands, have meetings, have install meetings with players. Right? They're they're going through install saying. Hey, how fast does this guy pick up our scheme? How well does he fit in our scheme? And they're also, at the same time, talking to other coaches, saying, well, this is what I see. This is what I see. This is how this guy's been at practice. And you can actually, like I said, eyes, ears, hands. For a lot of the the season, I think most of these coaches kind of depend on their scouts to go to these practices and watch and say, well, this guy's this, this guy's that. At the Senior Bowl, if you're an offensive line coach, you can actually show up in person Stand five yards away from the drill, watch pad leverage, watch hips, watch right. you know, watch hand violence, things like that that you can't really get off of a, a scouting report. So I don't know that it's overvalued. I think it's I think it's just a massive piece of the puzzle in terms of what these guys can do. Maybe overvalued a, a maybe a poor thing, but if you have like make one mistake, could it be overly magnetized and oh, jeopardized? I think for sure. Yeah, yeah for that's sure. my fundamental yeah. point. Yeah. No, I I think you're I think you're dead on with that. And the game doesn't matter. Nothing I was talking to somebody uh, about this, and I was like, I don't care anything about the game. I, I don't even 100%. I, I, I want to see how they, com- like you said, to compete, how they play out there. But that whole week is where you learn to your point about everything. And that's like, you know, Luke McCaffrey was a name that you didn't hear as much about in the week because you heard about, you know, um, Ladd and uh, McConkey. You heard uh, my guy from um, from uh, Michigan. You heard about him. uh and you also heard about Ricky Pearsall from Florida. But Luke McCaffrey pops, 
the end of the game has a couple of catches, but he, he didn't have a bad week either. Um, and he it's a guy there where I'm kind of wondering, like, could, Roman Wilson got a thing about from Michigan. Could could you see, like, Luke McCaffrey in, like, a third round? You know, we, we've talked about we need a guy that can kind of play that little slot, that can kind of run away from defenders. Yeah. Let's say Ladd's gone, Roman Wilson's gone, and maybe Ricky Parasol's gone, and you, you're in a spot now where you could pick a receiver and boom. Because – the McCaffreys have a good track record in the NFL. Um, Seems like it. And I, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't. I, I just think about a guy like that, and I just, I just say, man, that, that's a guy that in three years we're gonna say, how did he go in the fourth round? Why was he at the senior? You know, senior, like the Senior Bowl helped him get on. It just, just seems like a guy that could be just pop. Like in a few years. You, you need somebody that's a crisp route runner in the tight red, which I think exactly why people have looked at Lad McConkey and said, man, this guy. You get to that 10-yard line, you need to run a pass play on first down. He can run one of those little whip routes yep. uh, on the goal line and kind of settle in right there at the goal line. And one of those where he just catches the ball and kind of falls backwards in the end zone, that kind of guy. I think that's why he's seen his value rise so much because it's not so much the Details. fact that he's, you know, he's, it's not like he's going to measure at 6'5 and run a 4'2". It's the fact that he's so detail-oriented, such a crisp route runner, and has such a you know a nice ability to get separation, which is so wild, widely heralded at this point in the NFL. It's a pretty good story because coming out of high school, he wasn't all that highly touted due to his size mainly. And Kirby Smart, and I heard uh, Rusty Manziel talking about this, Kirby Smart decided to recruit him and uh, get him to Georgia based on watching him play basketball. He saw the twitch. I don't doubt it. Yep. I don't doubt it. Um, speaking of that, we were we were watching the the – I guess it was maybe NFL Network earlier and seeing the the mock drafts and seeing Brock Bowers at five to the Chargers and the mock drafts. That'd be a heck of a that'd be a heck of a pickup for them. Well, that's five. the other one. That's the other one I've seen. Um, Falcons trade for Justin Fields and then uh, go get Brock Bowers at eight. And somebody somebody told me so. I, I just know that they they they'd actually they don't know how to use him. And I was like, I mean, we got two tight ends now. How many more tight ends we got? And and it's funny because you're only okay with it because of where the guy played. That's it. Yeah, listen, there would be a riot if the Falcons tried to draft Bob, Bob Bowers at eight. There would be a riot. He <laughs> <laughs> just simply cannot do that. I don't know if the Falcons can afford to take an offensive player at eight if right. it's not a quarterback. And it, God forbid they try to take a wide receiver, uh, Malik Neighbors or whoever that might be at eight. I think there would be a, a sector of Falcons fans that would absolutely be up in arms over that. Yeah, if you're going to so, take a wide receiver, you need to trade up for him. Jeez. Yeah, yeah wow. it just it, it doesn't quite fit with uh with the needs here. You need you, you need a quarterback. I think in in Raheem Morris's game, you're going to need an edge or some kind of uh, obvious pass rusher. You do need a wide receiver. There's no doubt that you need a wide receiver. You need a guy that's a one or two. I just there it's such a tricky thing to draft at eight because you really need to hit a home run with this guy, and he's got to be somebody that you can depend on next year. And, Ra- and Raheem Morris uh, filling out his staff as well, gentlemen. Rating. Rating of the Rams staff. More Rams guys. Three of the five they hired, Rob. Isn't that – and and that's just the ones they announced Saturday. I I bet there's, what, eight or nine of these guys that have been with him in the Rams. Uh, You got a couple guys from the Chargers too, but it's just – it's just wild. And I like the fact, though, that they're going to have a run game coordinator – in a pass game, I think they called it specialist. Pass game Zach, specialist. I like but it. But with Zach Robinson, I, I just think – I will do look at this, though, and um, I remember when Dan Quinn came in here and everybody said, man, that's a really young staff, really young staff. 
you know, because Kyle was still young then. Uh, uh, the LaFleur was – the both LaFleurs were very baby-faced, I guess you could say. LaFleur is still young, both of them, but they were really young then. Does it does how does it sit with you that it's, it's seemingly other than you have some old heads? I mean, Dave Huxtable's been around forever. He stayed. He's got Jer- about twenty years in the league. Jerry Gray. Yeah, Jerry Gray's a guy that you got to keep uh, here. But for the most, you know, and Dwayne Lefford's been around a little while. But there's, but how do you feel about this staff being very young? I, I personally love it. I when I saw the news of Tim uh, Burbanich, I believe is how you say it, the past game specialist. That one pops to me because immediately my mind goes to, well, if Zach Robinson's any good, he's going to be getting coaching interviews in two years. And so who is that next kind of guy that might be within the staff that can slide into some of these roles? Remember, this is is like a Joe Brady title. Remember, we were interviewing Joe Brady. He's a pass game specialist a number of places. He was at LSU with with Joe Burrow. He's at in in Carolina. He, He became the interim OC because he was kind of in that role up in Buffalo this year. So... That is a guy you have to kind of keep your eye on, and, and I love the fact that the staff is young because I think that this is going to be a very energetic group, and I think it's going to be a guy that can, over a 17-game schedule, keep that energy where it doesn't get stale inside that locker room. So I think that's I think that's important nowadays. All right, coming up next in the huddle, a fall from grace perhaps for a couple of uh, well-known coaches, one known for uh, his greatness, the other one uh, never could quite break through and get a head coaching job. What's his future going to be like? That's coming up next in the huddle, Sports Radio, 1990 game. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Yes, it is a lovely morning, isn't it? Now, more of The Morning Shift. On Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It's time to huddle up. Bring it in close! Bring it in close! The latest NFL news, rumors, reports, and happenings. Within the huddle on The Morning Shift. Two o'clock this afternoon. The Raheem Morris introductory press conference live from Mercedes-Benz Stadium. We will carry it. Dukes and Bell going to have Terry Fontenot, the GM, and Raheem Morris on their broadcast this afternoon. Welcome back to the morning shift. Triple in for uh, Tiffany. And, gentlemen, it's kind of interesting. You know, of course, uh, Dan Quinn gets the uh, commander's job. And now Eric Bieniemy, whose name was always bannered about as a possible head coach, got a lot of interviews, never seemed to be able to break through. Now his future seems to be in doubt. He'll, he'll land somewhere and, and he'll get a good job. He's going to need, uh, you know, he's going to need to move quickly with that. But yeah. I think he's too good of an offensive mind not to to kind of land on his feet as far as that goes. But uh, it's going to be interesting to keep, uh, you know, keep tabs on on how that staff shakes out for Dan Quinn because I I, I haven't had a chance to talk about it. No, you haven't. Either. I, I like the hire for Washington. I like the, I like the hire of Dan Quinn. And you know, you can call him a retread or whatever you want. He was not a failure in Atlanta. As much as people don't like to hear that, in the long run, when you look back at his tenure, when you take a team to the Super Bowl, you are not a bad football coach. And uh, so he's going to have every opportunity. I know he's getting his staff in place to to kind of make another run at it. So I'm keeping my eyes peeled for that. It just seems to be this way of uh, thinking in, in in society at large. It seems that um. 
Well, if a coach didn't have as much success as a head coach his first time around, they can't somehow evolve. They are what they are. People don't evolve. Well, People don't get better. People don't improve. Some, some don't, but many do. Yeah, and to that point, what did we hear immediately? I heard a lot of people say, well, we need a guy. We don't need a young coach. We need a guy that's got experience. A guy that's been there before. We got that. Got that. And now it's like, well, yeah, but he's 17, 31 when he was in Tampa. Well, yeah, I mean, you know what? A lot changed since I was 32 as well. Yeah, <laughs> a long time ago, man. And I'm only eight years away from that, or almost nine. But still. Well, even the Bengals coach, once they got their, once they got their quarterback, they figured it out. He, he sputtered out the gate for his couple of years. Yeah. He still managed to finish above 500, even with his best player, Joe Burrow, injured. I, I think that this, and it goes back to the way, you know, a lot of players feel. The NFL fan base is so absolute in the way you think. It right. was either good or it was a failure. It, it, as a player, a lot of times, especially, you know, the closer you are to your playing career, it seems like the fan bases will treat you as if, if you did not win a Super Bowl in your time as a player that you, you weren't good. You weren't, you know, it was it was kind of a failure. And that's a way a lot of people in, in the history of this franchise are looked at. I mean, you, you look at some of the numbers and the fact that Matt Ryan was an MVP and it's still, there are still some naysayers about what his career was because you never got over the hump. It is that way about coaches, too. You never won a Super Bowl, weren't a good coach. When, you know, Dan Quinn, <laughs> he's had a lot of good years as a coach, and that includes as a head coach. It just didn't end the right way in Atlanta, and now he's going to get another shot at it. So we'll see how that uh, see how that staff kind of comes together there. Now where's Bill Belichick going to end up? Arguably the greatest coach of all time, but now, no. So I was, I was talking to somebody Friday that, um, you know, it was it had talked to some people up there in that in that building, and and apparently he's not. He's very upset because I think he thought, I think he made the split in New England a lot more amicable than he probably wanted to because he thought he had something brewing that he thought he would go ahead and have another job immediately, and so now I think he's just kind of sitting there like, uh, what? But the problem is, is Belichick is going to have to go to a situation where they, he, I thought originally when I heard him say, well, I'll, you know, I'm willing to change some things. I thought that he would be willing to just come in somewhere and coach and kind of give up. No. And he, where wherever he goes, he is going to clean house in that building. And there's not a lot of organizations that are going to be willing to do that. Uh, let me ask you all this uh, about Belichick. If you are a head coach, let's just say McCarthy. Do you want Bill Belichick around this year? Do you, do you want his expertise in the building? Or do you say, boy, the minute something goes south, everybody's going to be wanting Bill Belichick to take over? I don't I think I'd could, want him in the building you either. You could benefit from um, There's a lot of pride endless in the wisdom, but that. man, I'm telling you, though, you yeah. don't want that breathing over your shoulder. Yeah, show. but is he, is he going to be willing to give endless wisdom? Is he going to come in and, and be like, hey, I'll, you know, I'll – because everybody's got all these – looks like Mike Zimmer is going to get the, uh, the job in Dallas. I mean, from what you hear – He's interviewing, I think, a second time for the D.C. job. But what, what, what's the benefit? Yeah, I know you get all this wisdom, but he, he he's not going to be able to sit back. That's like Nick Saban going somewhere. No, and it's not against Nick, but going somewhere. Yeah, I'll be an assistant for you, right. a, a, yeah. a, a, a defensive analyst. Yeah, like Nick. That, that's not Nick's passion. Nick wants to coach. He wants to run, and that's also not his best use. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I don't know about Belichick as far as this goes, but Nick had a, a huge passion for coaching DBs, coaching technique. Right. I think that Nick almost to a to a greater extent than Bill would would fit as a DB coach. You know, obviously that's not going to be in the cards for him, and and that's not what we're, what I'm trying to say. But I think that Bill 
in, in a lot of aspects, it's like roster management is that for him. He likes the the development, putting pieces together as chess pieces, and kind of moving forward with that. So I, I just it's it's interesting to me. I know a lot of people have talked to Jerry Jones. There's going to be a lot of conversation this week about if Bill Belichick, obviously not a head coach, is there a role for him somewhere this year as he kind of plays that waiting game? And that's to my point. I don't know that I want him on staff. I, if I'm a head coach, I don't want to look over my shoulder at Bill Belichick. I wonder if Belichick's slightly on the spectrum because he does he does seem to be um, awkward socially. <laughs> a lot of times, serious. A lot of times, guys, and he does have a brilliant football mind. He does have a very smart mind. But sometimes there's a payoff to where you're going to be a little limited yeah. interpersonally. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I listen. I've been watching Love on the Spectrum on Netflix here the last few days. I think you're, <laughs> you might be spot on. Might be spot on. There's some of those. Some of those you're like, are they? On the, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Yes. Uh, so look, hey, who knows? I started rewatching 1883, <laughs> so I don't know any. I haven't seen this show. I started on watching uh, True Detective Night Country last night. Uh, pretty excited about that. I got one episode in. I'm pretty. Yeah, pretty you, you like the first? I, I've been told to go ahead and start watching it, but I'm I'm getting into this this problem where I just want to binge stuff. I don't want to wait for an episode to come out. I'm going to – we did the same thing with a couple of Netflix shows, but I think this is going to be a one-a-night kind of situation because there's a lot to take in. There's a lot going on in that show. So, And I know that a lot of people have been watching True Detective, and I was a huge fan of their first couple of seasons. And, um, oh, it was great. Yeah. Great first couple of seasons. I'm watching that one as we speak. But uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. What was the weed budget when McConaughey and uh, Woody Harrelson, weren't they in it together? Yeah, they were. Dude, I'm so glad you brought this up. Is Woody Harrelson not one of the most underrated actors? He's, oh, he's one fantastic. of my favorite actors. He is so, like, he's comedy, drama, mm-hmm. action. All the things, I mean, yeah. all over the top. We, you know, was it six months ago we talked about Denzel and a lot of these mm-hmm. roles and how was it that long? You know, how much that he kind of, you know, can move around and do different things. Woody Harrelson's, he's pretty close to being that guy, man. Well, like, watched, I watched multiple things this weekend that had him because uh, I was – I was I, I was doing something and I had like five minutes and I was sitting I was like I had five minutes and I sit down for five minutes and the beginning of White Men Can't Jump comes on where he <laughs> where he hustles Sydney uh, and or Wesley Snipes' character and he's so good in that role and then yesterday when I was cleaning I, I was up I was cleaning in the living room and in kitchen area and um, I just turned the TV on and Curb Your Enthusiasm had on HBO they had a uh, a marathon because the, new, the, the final season's coming out. And there's an episode of last season where Woody is in Curve, and he's basically playing himself. Yep. But it's so it's so hilarious. Like, he's so good. Uh, he's, he's Dude, Woody Harrelson's one of my favorites. I do want to ask this before we move on from the commander's topic, Cliff Kingsbury being uh, hired as the OC. I, is this a slam dunk that Caleb Williams is now – uh, at the top of their radar, right? Because Cliff is coming from USC. They've got the trade capital to be able to pull this off with the Bears. Yeah. Cliff Kingsbury knows this guy better than anybody in the NFL. You would think that it, that there has to be some connection there of saying, look, I mean, the OC. It seems like we'll it. trade up and get Caleb. Yep. We'll, be, uh, we'll be running with this thing. I'm still not sure if they're, if they're going to move off from Sam Howell. I just don't know what, that, what, what they would do there, too. But well, they liked him for half the year last year, and then he kind of went south. Oh, he's he's well, making it rain, but he's going to yep. take seven sacks again. Yeah, you know what but, I mean? but, just, but oh, so he, but he can <laughs> never. But you talk about the absolutes and NFL fans, so he can yeah. never get better. I mean, we're just giving up on a guy after after one season, basically. I know he he played a couple of games in well, his first season, but we're that's doing just, the same thing here, by the way. Well, yeah, a little, well, hey, no, 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 he's a first round guy, and you, you got a third rounder. That's what people tell you. 
I read something this morning that said that they they keep that it's almost like the doubling down that they're hearing is that Chicago is not moving off of one and they are gonna pick Caleb Williams. I I just know. Listen, what kind of trade capital did you build up with those two trades that the Commanders made last year, Montez Sweat? Uh, and old buddy that's going to be playing the Chase Super Bowl, Young. Yeah, Chase Young, who we, we said it at the time. I was like, I don't want Chase Young in Atlanta, and it seems like it's kind of panned out that the 49ers now they're in the Super Bowl, but boy, not because you, of Chase Young. You though. look at his effort; it is not good. It wasn't good when they when they played here. So Montez Sweat was definitely the prize of that one. But you look at the picks they added through those trades, and now you look at the situation that they could have at the quarterback. And while I agree with you, I think Sam Howell's a good player. At some point, perception has to meet reality, and this is an entertainment business. And yep. if you got Cliff Kingsbury and then you pass the opportunity to draft Caleb Williams, a lot of Commanders fans, listen, young, energetic, new ownership, want to do a number of new things, you kind of have to jump on that no matter what you think of Sam Howell in well, the end. Well, I think Jaden Daniels could be there and play. Drake May, either one of those guys would fit what Kingsbury wants to do along with Caleb Williams. But let me ask you this, though. If you're going to give it one more year, isn't this the time you would do it? Because you've got a brand-new GM and a brand-new head coach, you know you're going to get some time, right? New ownership group. They seem to be – this is an ownership group that kind of seems to kind of get it. They brought in uh, the guy from Golden State to be an advisor with these kind of things. The uh, the owner is also the owner of the Sixers, so he's 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 used to the process. Um, so this would be the time maybe that if you're going to do it, you have the perfect scenario to do that with a young coach. But I think Kingsbury – we forget that he was, he was still – his offenses were still pretty good in Arizona. You're speaking of retread coaches and he'll get another shot. He'll get another shot at some point. Kingsbury will. And it, it might be more perception than anything, but he'll get another shot. Give it give it five years. From a healthier weight to more energy when you switch your dog's food to farmer's dog, the effects can feel magical. What sorcery is this? None at all. It's just real food made for the health of dogs. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash nomagic. All right, what's coming up and mic'd up? Well, we're going to talk about the uh, World Cup announcements yesterday, first and foremost, how big this is for the city of Atlanta, what it means, what it could mean. We'll, we'll have Jason Longshore at 840. But for mic'd up, I'll dive back into the Senior Bowl this past weekend. I'll tell you about my experience. Rob, haven't talked to you about this. The quarterback for me, I had two quarterbacks in the Senior Bowl, Tim Tebow and new offensive coordinator, Zach Robinson, my, mm. two, uh, my two quarterbacks. So we'll talk about that, how fun that was, how fun it wasn't. That's coming up on the other side. That's mic'd up, Sports Radio, 99 The Game. Talking all things Atlanta sports and beyond. This is the morning shift. Make some noise on Sports Radio 929 the game. Welcome back to the morning shift, Sports Radio 929 the game. Two o'clock today, Raheem Morris's introductory press conference live from Mercedes-Benz Stadium. We're gonna carry it live, and Dukes and Bell will have. Coach Morris and Terry Fontenot, the Falcons GM, on with them as well for a little sit-down powwow, as it were, gentlemen. And, of course, um, don't forget to mic up. You want to, you want to mention the uh, World Cup semifinals going to be here. But Atlanta's uniquely equipped to handle these large events. We have the infrastructure. We have the Congress Center. We have all the hotel space. Dude, I'm so excited. I mean, uh, the Olympics, not that big of a undertaking for Atlanta compared to other places. We had a lot of the venues already built. You know, they already used existing venues. Sanford Stadium, uh, Georgia, all the things. Atlanta, Fulton County Stadium, built Turner Field, of course, which was in the Olympic Stadium. It still boggles my mind that Atlanta hosted the Olympics 18, no, what, 20, how long ago? 18 years ago. 28 years ago. 
No, 10, 28 years ago. Yeah, Lord. I know. I thought the same thing when I just said that. I was like, oh, my God. Almost 30 years ago. And it still boggles your mind, though. Sometimes I still drive around this town, and I'm like, man, I cannot believe that Atlanta hosts the Olympics. I, it, uh, and I worked point. for NBC during the Olympics. So I was I helped. Basically, we had to build TV studios at every venue. So I was working round the clock eight days a week, but I had a blast. I had the... My my uh my Olympic credential had the infinity pass means I could go anywhere anytime I wanted to, which is really cool. Oh, that is cool. It it I did not realize as a kid how big of a deal it was because I was thirteen during the Olympics. I just didn't realize how big of a deal it is, and I think we we gloss over it when we talk about what this city has done. And and a lot of people say, well, Atlanta's a new city. Well, it kind of is a young city, and that that took Atlanta from. From uh, what Charlotte is now to what Atlanta is today. Yeah, I just I'm so excited for what it'll bring, what the atmosphere will bring, what uh, you know, how many eyes will be on the sound. We talked about it earlier. I mean, for the for the World Cup final last time, it was like 500 million people watching that semifinal will be different, and you'll get you know get eyeballs at each stage. But this, this to, to Rob's point, this city is uniquely qualified uh, to kind of pull this off. I think it's exciting. Well, apparently, Darren Eels of Atlanta United, he's going to go on a bender during the World Cup. But we've got busy, you know, busiest airport. You can get on the Marta. We've got the hospitality. Our footprint's going to be down here. And I don't want to talk about specifically other cities, but in a lot of other cities, the stadium's nowhere near the town centre. So that feel, that party carnival atmosphere that you get around a World Cup, I mean, I'm excited for the big games, but I think Atlanta's going to be, I'm biased, I know, the best venue for experiencing the whole World Cup because FanFest, even when we're not hosting a game, you know, we've got all of the possibilities of all of those fans coming into Atlanta around the state of Georgia, and it's walkable, and you create that sort of party atmosphere. So I think, you know, I think we're well set, and I would be disappointed if we don't get one of those big games. I, I just, I'm so excited about it, and, and for, for everybody that doesn't understand this right now, and we'll talk to Jason Longshore at 840 and get some more details on this, but it seems like with there being so many host cities and it being all throughout North America, and the group, you know, in the group stage, they're going to be kind of regional. So the United States has already kind of come out that they will be kind of based around Los Angeles. And Seattle. In that group stage. Yeah, right. So you won't get in the group stage the United States men's national team, but what you do have in Atlanta by then is the fact that the team will be training here. I mean, that facility is being moved to Atlanta currently, and you will have that team training here. So it'll be interesting to see and ask Jason, you know, what teams that he believes will be part of that group stage here and, you know, what are the odds you see in the U.S. men's national team at some point if they, uh, you know, if they get stronger and can kind of make a run throughout this thing. Now, it would be shocking to see them in the semifinal, but you do at each stage throughout the World Cup have the opportunity that they might play here. And, and obviously, Atlanta is a, a multicultural, uh, you know, kind of city. So it's, it's an easy place to get in and out of because the airport. So I think it's going to be uh, great no matter what, no matter who the countries are here and, uh, you know, see all that kind of come to fruition. But for another big game, let's talk about that 2009 Senior Bowl. It's time to rant. Excuse me? It's time to rage. It's time for Mic'd Up. On the morning shift. Actually, I guess it would be 2010. Uh, yeah, it would have actually been February or end of January 2010. Guys, the Senior Bowl is obviously televised, practice televised. One of the hardest things that I have ever been a part of. You show up on Sunday... You immediately are greeted with two tests. One of them is, what do they call that? The the, the, the Wonderlick, mm-hmm. uh, Wonderlick-esque. And then the New York Giants at the time, I can't remember who their GM was, they had their own test. It was like a, th- I mean, like a three-hour exam. Wow. Right? I mean, the first thing you do, you haven't even dropped your bags in your room. Your rooms aren't even ready yet. 
you're t- sitting down taking tests for three or four hours, kind of getting through those is the last thing you want to do. Uh, then you are well, greeted with – Well, that sounds intentional. They want, to, they want to test and see how you can pivot and uh, concentrate when you have to in spite of all the chaos around. You get your schedule handed to you, the printout, whatever it is, bracelets, uh, you know, lanyards, all the gear from Under Armour at the time was, you know, the, the main sponsor of the Senior Bowl. I mean, uh, more Under Armour stuff than you can even fit in, in three duffel bags. It's crazy at the time. Hey, we'll have a team meeting tonight at uh, you know at at six thirty. We'll get dinner afterwards. Get you in bed earlier. Tomorrow's gonna be a long day. Immediately, you get a text, phone call, whatever it is. Hey, you got a drug test six a.m. Drug test six a.m. Oh God, well, why do we? Why is it so early in the morning? Oh, because you're probably gonna practice by you know ten o'clock. You got meetings, install meetings. You're gonna practice ten to twelve. You get back, get lunch, get treatment, whatever it is. You're gonna go back into meetings, watch the film from practice. Oh, and then your phone is now lighting up from scouts, GMs, coaches saying, hey, we'd like to meet with you down in the lobby. Hey, are you around? Need to grab you in the lobby. Need to I, grab you in the lobby. I think the biggest question is, how did you secure clean urine? Well, <laughs> I, had, I had a guy. You had a guy. <laughs> I had a guy. No, I had a guy. No, it, just, it, it was crazy. And every time, it, you would almost avoid the lobby uh, because every time you walk through there, so, hey, can I grab you for a second? Can I grab you for a second? And there, listen, everything has your, your name, number, position, whatever that Under Armour was giving you. And everybody be able to grab you. And, of course, I'm there. It's in Alabama. And I, we just left Alabama. So, also went to, I guess, would it be a Tide Pride, a Red Elephant Club meeting later that night uh, on, on one, you know, Tuesday night. You have a fan fest one of the days. Tim Tebow was in that game with us. When I tell you his line was a mile long, and he ended up having, I think he had to actually cancel because he got kind of sick and under the weather during the week. He didn't end up uh, being able to make it. The amount of fanfare that Tim Tebow was getting at this Senior Bowl was insane. It, this is not like one of those stadiums, Lad Peoples at the time down in Mobile. It's not one of those stadiums where the buses pull into a tunnel and you never see the players. And it's right. a, no, it's like it's like Tim Tebow playing at a high school stadium through the entire week, and he's walking out to the bus. There was multiple days where people would hold their kids up to his bus window. Like it was like a Simba kind of thing going on. And they're kind of waving at him and he's just like, Hey, how's it going? He, I don't know if he had this rule in place before then or after then, whatever it is, but he would not sign anything other than just kids autographs. Wouldn't sign any adult autographs because eBay is a big thing. You know, he's not able to do whatever he wants to do and he's getting hassled. Our other quarterback, Zach Robinson, who ended up being probably our best player that week. uh, As far as the senior ball goes, he threw for over a hundred yards, uh, and had a, ended up having a pretty good game. He was at Oklahoma State at the time. So he was a good player, fun to watch. But when I tell you that first practice, you go in, right? You do whatever shorts, you kind of install. The first full padded practice, when I tell you it was a war, it was a bloodbath. It was it was best man will survive. Yeah. We're going to go one-on-one run blocking, one-on-one pass rush, one-on-one tackling drills, and it is going to be absolute carnage. It was carnage for five days down there of people just saying, you know what? I'm better than you. I'm about to run you over. And that's how every single practice. How, time, how surreal, sorry, how surreal was it actually playing in the game? How intense was the game? I know I know there is some intensity, but, but it's got to feel weird lining up next to guys that you barely know. It was really cool for me personally because I'm from Pensacola. So I went to the Senior Bowl growing up, and it yeah. was always a big event down there in the Mobile area. That was cool. I had a number of different high school people that were in the crowd. There was some signs. You get introduced as being from Pensacola – and getting to run out and do all that crazy stuff. That was very surreal. And, and, I, and honestly, at the time, it was kind of crazy thinking back on. The first play, I get down in my stance, and Tim Tebow's under center, and he's you know giving the cadence. And the, the whole talk of that week was, as most of y'all remember, 
Ken Tim Tebow play from under center. So the first snap, he's under center, and he's kind of giving the cadence. I thought, this is kind of surreal. Like, I just was playing this guy two months ago in the SC Championship game, and here he is. Were you at guard or tackle? I was at guard at that point, and I was playing left guard. I played next to uh, uh, Saron Black from LSU, and who was our center? Oh, J.D. Walton from Baylor, I think, was the center. Had a good week. Ended up getting drafted by the Broncos in the second round. Um, Just how beat up and exhausted were you, though, by the time you kickoff on that Saturday? After after that week of practice, the last thing any of us wanted to do was play in that game. The last thing. And I can remember remember lining up very distinctly. We're under center the first play. Across from us is Brandon Graham from Michigan, who is still playing and still really loud. And behind him at linebacker was Sean Weatherspoon. I had not had a taste of Sean Weatherspoon at that point. But you want to talk about the most talkative? The loudest two defensive players that you can ever imagine. <laughs> and Sean Weatherspoon comes on the field and he's going, Timmy, Timmy. And I'm like, man, this is going to be a long day. But uh, it was, man. It's, it's, it's a cool week, but whew, it ain't no vacation down there in Mobile. It is the most exhausting six, seven days that you will ever go through as a football player. No doubt. So I brought you by Zero Res Smart Lasting Clean. Who deserves a wake-up call? 404-726-0929. We will take your calls next. Jason Longshore going to join us at, uh, what, 840? Talk more about the uh, World Cup and uh, semifinals coming here. Atlanta finals will be up there in the Meadowlands at MetLife Stadium. All that and more over the next hour leading you up to the Steakhouse, 9 o'clock. And again, 2 o'clock this afternoon, live. Raheem Morris's introductory press conference, and he and Terry Fontenot will sit down with uh, Dukes and Bell. We will carry all that for you today because we are the home of the Atlanta Falcons Sports Radio, 929 The Game. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices, anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.